Oh God, help us to focus on the one thing that we have need of. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. A quick Google search will tell you that time management is in high demand. We can watch videos, attend seminars, and read books, all that promise to teach us how to better manage our time so that we could be more successful, or whatever the supposed goal of having our time better managed would be. We give school children and young adults all sorts of lessons about how to best structure the day to maximize productivity and minimize stress. But judging by the overall feel of our culture right now, I'm not so sure that that's working. We're just more stressed about how productive we are or are not. Now, to be clear, I say this as probably the most neurotically organized person here. So it's not that I don't value time management, it's just that I am not convinced that when we hear Jesus say that there is need of only one thing, that that one thing he is referring to is productivity, success, or returns on investments. How we use our time matters, as time is the resource that we are all running out of and cannot do anything to guarantee that we will get any more of it. There are ways, ethical and unethical, to get more influence, money, or fame. But time is promised to no one. Accidents happen, heart attacks happen, diseases happen, violence happens. And there is nothing any of us can do to exempt ourselves from that reality. More than how we spend our money or use our power, how we use our time shapes us into the people who we are. And when it comes to our priorities, values, and legacies, Jesus makes it clear. There is need of only one thing. A preacher I know likes to say that Jesus never spared a telling truth if the truth would tell. Well, that's the occasion of Jesus telling us that there is need of only one thing. He's arrived in Bethany, a village about a 30-minute walk from Jerusalem to visit two friends and disciples, Mary and Martha. In Middle Eastern culture, both then and now, hospitality is the most important virtue there is. Having someone come into your home meant that you prepared a meal. That is simply what was expected and what was normal. And so Martha gets to work. Mary does something different. She sits at Jesus' feet, which was the posture and the place of a student. She too is welcoming Jesus, but in a different way. What happens next is a story as old as time. Siblings fighting. And this is predictable. There's a job that needs to be done. One person is doing it, the other is not. And so resentment follows. Martha comes over to Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Now, a couple of comments on this. First, how interesting it is that Martha refers to her as my sister instead of calling her Mary. We get into so much trouble when we dehumanize others and see them as a role instead of a person. 
We talk about the unchurched, the migrants, the homeless, and in doing so, we take their identity away from them, making it so much easier to dismiss them. When Jesus responds, he says Martha's name twice and refers to her sister as Mary. So much of the drama in our society could be alleviated if we related to one another as people, not characters. Secondly, in family systems theory, Martha is doing what is known as triangulation, which is not a good thing. The basic concept is that if you think of yourself as a point on a triangle, then you are connected to two other points represented by lines, and those lines represent a relationship. This means that those other two points are also connected to one another, but by a line that you are not a part of. And so this framework says that you cannot influence or control the relationship between those two other people. And trying to do so is unhealthy and unproductive. And so notice that Jesus does not then turn to Mary to ask her for her side of the story. He sticks with the relationship that he's a part of. Mary and Martha are going to need to sort out their issues. And so Jesus focuses on his relationship with Martha instead of getting into the middle of theirs. Now, yes, there are certainly situations of abuse and neglect where we do need to get involved. But how much time do we spend worrying about problems that simply are not ours? When Jesus responds to Martha, he notes that she is distracted and worried about many things. The Greek root in Luke comes from the word uproar. So Jesus is saying that Martha is causing an uproar in herself. Now it needs to be made very clear that serving and being hospitable are not bad things. In fact, it takes a good thing to become a bad thing. And this is what makes discernment and ethics so difficult. There's not a simple across the board response. It would be completely the wrong conclusion to think that Jesus is saying that we should always prioritize prayer over serving those in need. That's not the point of this passage. This is not a passage about actions versus contemplation. We like to have neat and tidy categories a simple moral to every story. But that is not what Jesus gives us. Jesus was not offering an opinion about the place of spirituality versus charity. No, he was speaking to a distracted and worried Martha. This passage has been on my heart and on my mind for several months now. I'll be honest and tell you all that I have felt a lot like Martha recently distracted, and worried about many things. I am anxious about COVID, disrupting plans and schedules. I am worried about the fact that there are many members of St. Luke's who have not been to church in two and a half years and have not responded to invitations to return. I am concerned about the future of the church, and in particular, the financial situation that many congregations are going to find ourselves in over the next few years. I am distracted by all of the headlines reminding us of how many problems there are in front of us and how much distrust and division there is between us.
And I don't think that I am alone in feeling distracted and worried by many things these days. And when I share these kinds of thoughts, my spiritual director will often ask me, and what does God have to say about all of that? And so I knew that I needed to name these burdens before God in prayer. And as clear as a bell a couple of months ago in the ears of my heart, I heard Jesus say to me, there is need of only one thing. And since then, I have tried with a lot of failure and a little bit of success to think more intentionally about how I am investing my time. And I do try to think of it in terms of an investment. When we spend time watching cable news, what are we investing in? When we spend time on social media, what will the return be? When we choose to spend a Sunday morning doing something other than coming to church, what is it that we hope to gain out of that? When we decide to spend time in prayer, in silence, in reading scripture, in serving people who could never pay us back, what are the fruits that we are hoping to harvest? The thing that I am learning about spending time with Jesus is that while it might not be productive in the way that the world would see it, it is never wasted time. We, assure, we are assured that sitting at Jesus' feet is the better part, which will never be taken away. That time is never lost when it is spent with Jesus. But the time we spend doing other things, that's gone and over. But when we are intentionally spending time with Jesus, we are participating in eternity. As we heard in Colossians, in him all things hold together. And this is why Jesus and Jesus alone is where we find the peace that passes all understanding, the grace that gives our hearts rest, the mercy that relieves our guilt, the love that defines us. So let's say you want to spend more time at Jesus' feet. We recognize that we are distracted and worried about many things, and we want to focus more on that one thing that we have need of. How do we do it? Well, it's often called spirituality, but somehow that makes it seem even harder to understand. To start, there really is no substitute for communal prayer, whether it be morning prayer at 8 a.m., evening prayer at 5.30 p.m. during the week in our chapel, the Wednesday 5.30 p.m. healing Eucharist, Sunday Eucharist, or monthly evensong. There is no substitute for the liturgies of the church. And what's so wonderful about it is you don't have to figure out what to do on your own, but rather we come together as the people of God to receive the gifts of God in word, sacrament, and beloved community. The week has 168 hours in it. If we subtract out eight a day for sleep and eight for work or school, that still leaves us with 56 hours a week to spend on intentional worship. Now, to be clear, I am not at all suggesting that we spend eight hours every day trying to be at Jesus' feet. 10% though, would be 48 minutes a day. Divide that up into 15-minute chunks three times, and it's a lot more feasible. Now, to be clear, it is always about grace, never about ought-tos. 
Spending time with Jesus is not one more thing to add to the list. It is not something we need to beat ourselves up over missing, not something we need to feel shame about not doing as much as we might intend to. Instead, spending time with Jesus through prayer, worship, reading the Bible, or serving others is about investing in the better part, which will never be taken away. I've already mentioned one way of doing this, attending worship at St. Luke's. Something else that I find helpful is to schedule this time on the calendar. So yes, I am saying that you can pencil in meeting with Jesus from 1 to 1.15 on Tuesday afternoon. Every week when we send out the weekly email, there's a link in there to the Sunday readings. Spend some time intentionally with those scripture passages every day leading up to Sunday. There is a short evening liturgy that I've put together for families to use, and I'd be happy to share it with anyone that wants it. This church building is open during the week, so when you're downtown, just stop and sit for 10 minutes and appreciate the beauty of this space. You can join up with the saints of St. Luke's who volunteer at Rowan Helping Ministries, I'm sure you all noticed, but we have a lovely new park just a couple of blocks from here. When you're planning to be nearby, leave 10 minutes early and grab a bench and just listen for what God might have to say to you without pulling out your phone. Many people find the Jesus prayer to be very helpful throughout the day. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And just repeat that to yourself for a minute or two throughout the day. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. I almost always have an Anglican rosary in my pocket, which is another great way to spend a handful of minutes in prayer. Instead of pulling out a phone when we are waiting for an appointment or a meeting to start, pull out a rosary instead. The point is, there are so many ways to pray, to read scripture, to serve others as investing in time with Jesus. And if you want to talk further about any of this, literally that is what I am here for. So give me a call or an email and we'll find a time to discuss this. Because there are so many distractions out there. There are so many things to worry about, so many things to give us anxiety. And we cannot change that. That's simply the world we live in. What we do have a say in is how we invest our time and therefore how we are training ourselves to respond to those events and those stresses. Time spent at the feet of Jesus is never wasted and it is never lost. Rather, it is how we cultivate the gift of faith that we have been given. It is how we ground ourselves in the peace that the world cannot give to us and cannot take away from us. It is how we root ourselves in the love that makes all things well. And that shall never be taken away.